0: Morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at kuci.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to "Prescriptions for Healing Conflict." I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. Your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel and she privately mediates business, employment, divorce, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. is a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI. She also trains corporate leaders, powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Samari, who's your guest today?
1: Oh, I'm very excited about our guest today. We are going to be interviewing Shahram Shiva from Los Angeles, and he is a performance poet, an award-winning translator and scholar of Rumi. He's the author of several books and teacher of advanced spirituality, and he's also a recording artist. And he's known for rich and entrancing concerts and performances. He also conducts talks and lectures on the future of spirituality, consciousness expansion, vision manifestation, and freeing the mind from the bondage of dogma and other methods of control. He's been called a prophet of change and transformation. And when we talk about conflict management and conflict transformation, this really all blends together because when we have that higher consciousness, we are able to deal with people at a level of acceptance and understanding and can move through our differences. So you can find out more about him at conflicthealing.com where you'll see his picture and his bio and join to his URL and also you'll see copy of his book and um, the, the cover of his book, and you can also find out more about him at sharamshiva.com. That's S H A H R A M S H I V A dot com. And so, I'm really thrilled to uh, have him on the show because he is actually going to be appearing at. The In Spirit Center for Spiritual Living, right here in Orange County in Mission Viejo, on January twenty fifth at one thirty p.m. to do a. a- have a performance of his lecture, and he is also um, thrilled to come down, and I'm excited to meet him in person. And the address for those of you who'd like to come to the In Spirit Center in Mission Viejo is 25782 Obrero Drive, Mission Viejo, and you can go to their website at the In Spirit Center for Spiritual Living, Mission Viejo, and find out more about the program. But we're going to give you a little bit of an appetizer by talking to Shaoram this morning. So thank you so much for joining us this morning, Sharma.
2: Good morning, Mari. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. So I've been enjoying your book called Rumi, the Thief of Sleep, which I have right in front of me with your foreword by Deepak Chopra. And, you know, I happen to be um, a lover of Rumi myself. And as a mediator who tries to help people to come to some you know, close uh, understanding so they can move past their differences. One of my favorite quotes by Rumi is, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. So before we started the radio show, you told me that that's one of your favorites, and, and maybe you can give me your interpretation of that.
2: Yeah, um, you know, Rumi lived 800 years ago, but he was nearly a 1,000 years ahead of his time. He certainly, because he was Middle Eastern, I mean, considering what goes on in the Middle East today, uh, he was definitely, you know, very much ahead of his time. I mean, Middle East hasn't been able to catch up with him at all, um, uh, especially in um, issues of women's rights, uh, uh, you know, freedom of speech um and so many other things uh tolerance for minorities and so forth and all of these um Rumi was basically a champion of um so he you know you can say that um he was a prophet who um although has been famous for a very very long time um his true worth can be experienced in the places like the u.s and developed nations where we have uh, more of a progressive mindset where we can have, we can appreciate him, you know. Yes. And that quote is a very very profound statement. The quote about rising above right and wrong, good and bad, positive and negative, um, so forth. It's a very high. Uh, it's actually one of the highest uh, statements uh, statements of spirituality, and. um... You know, it is not about um, a. It's not just a statement. It is a confirmation of a of a state of living. It's a confirmation of uh, the evolution of uh, Rumi's mindset at that time. Um, so, I, if, if if I may to go a little bit deeper into this,
1: yes, I, I love it.
2: Yeah. Um, there. Uh, we all know about evolution. Yes, the, 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 the stars evolve, the planets evolve. Our, we know the evolution of, of, of our own planet with you know, the cycles of cooling and healing and uh, cooling and heating and so on and so forth, the ev- evolution of species. The same way that the physical universe evolves, the spiritual universe also evolves. Yes. You know, I am not the same person that I was three years ago, not even a year ago. I'm constantly going through changes, and I'm sure you and many of your listeners experience this. Yes. Because we are progressive beings. We don't just get stuck in one level of thinking, which unfortunately plagues most of the, uh, you know, humans on, on this planet. When you look at so much dogma and so much um, high conformism and so much, you know, cruelty in the in the name of, uh, religion and all that, you see where the planet is. And that, in a sense, sets us, the people who are progressive thinkers, who are into their own um, evolution, pushing themselves forward, you know, coming up with new ideas. That really puts us in a very, very minor um, group out of the whole seven billion who live on this planet. So as we evolve, we gradually come to an understanding that. It is really not about taking sides. It is about witnessing how things unfold and then understanding how the universe manifests its energy. Because the universe operates on what I, on what I call a one two punch, meaning it operates on a male female, positive negative, north south polarity, repulsion and attraction, day and night, and so forth. It, the the nature of duality is actually a very much uh, inherent to the manifestation of a of universe as a whole. So by by actually taking sides, you are not grasping what universe is about. So when Rumi says, "Out beyond, you know, right and wrong," but it's actually in the Persian. Rumi wrote in Persian, and I am I'm Persian Jewish, and I, I you know I speak Persian. Uh, in the Persian, he goes more. He just, he just doesn't say right and wrong. He says uh, religion and blasphemy and, you know, and things like that, good and bad, right and wrong, religion. He actually lists a few pluses and minuses. He said, if once you have evolved spiritually to a certain place, you realize that it is all part of the manifestation of the universe, the duality aspect.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And for me, as a mediator, you know, if I go in with this mindset that we are one, we are, whether your your position is this or your position is that, we are really one, that there is an understanding, that understanding is that field for me, you know, maybe it sounds a little bit less deep, but, but basically, I see people that come in so th- in that polarity, and then... When we really understand each other, when we get to that point of, gee, now I understand how you're feeling, and you understand how I'm feeling, and gee, I misunderstood you, or gee, I didn't understand that at all, or I didn't see it that way, and now that we do, we can find a place, that field, that field is that place of of. Congruency—it is that field of of solutions. So you know, for me, it's it's what I do every day. So I kind of relate to that in a way that that makes sense to me. Does that make sense? What I'm saying?
2: No. Well, well, Marie, you see that that is an aspect of it. That is exactly. I mean, you know, the the icon of justice is a scale, and so that is the, the that is an aspect. Um, it's not. You don't, you know, it's not just about um, a, a high level of spiritual attainment yeah. that, that that brings this vision that you can evolve beyond duality, um, but it's also in the nature of things. And Grumi um, I wasn't, he never considered himself to be a poet, mm-hmm. although he was a great one. He um, was a. Uh, uh, a professor of law. <laughs> so right. There is, there's one thing you can actually, you know, connect yeah. with Rumi. He was yes. extremely an intellectual go ahead yes
1: yes and you know i mean there there have been other lawyers like <laughs> like abraham lincoln who said persuade your neighbors to sit down and talk that's basically what he said persuade your neighbors to to stop the fighting and and that's and i think rumi being an attorney to see people on uh, you know you're right and i'm wrong i think for him to see that you know there is a place where we can find our own solutions we don't need in many many cases most of the cases in in court like where you live in in the superior court in LA 97% of the cases finally settle but after they've just been so adversarial and so in this case if we look and say, hey, you know, beyond my thinking and your thinking, there's a place where we can find solutions. And i that's how I relate to this. And it's, it's right. very powerful because when parties do settle and they can shake hands or they can hug or they can... Work together again, or they can co-parent, or whatever it is. It is that field of possibilities. It really is, and and it's such a spiritual experience to get beyond all that negativity. So, you know, that's I love Rumi. I think um, it's just he's very deep and he's very and engaging in so many ways. So, how is it that you yeah, can, yeah, grew yeah, up yeah. In, in in Iran, Persia, right? And and in, in a jewish family so how is it that you got into rumi
2: well um uh there are various reasons first off um i have a um i have been in sense, living with rumi and sharing Rumi with with the world uh since i was in my um, early 20s so this is uh, one of my major callings i have a very uh, deep uh, personal connection with rumi i have a spiritual connection with him. And, um, and I, and I have, you know, I did not work with Rumi all these years because I am a tremendous fan of poetry, or have I done work of any other, uh, poets? My focus has been Rumi really because of the personal connection that I have with them. And, uh, and one of my missions in, you know, being on this planet, um, has been to share Rumi with the world and share it in a level that cannot be done. By people who 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 don't know the you know the actual Rumi, who don't know the Persian of Rumi. Most mm. people who put out books, they have really no concept of what Rumi is about because they don't have connection to him, the original. This is like trying to give me an example. Let's say a Chinese person is translating Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then, which is fine, and I'm sure it would work out. You know, in some ways. And then other, so there is one Chinese who knows English and Chinese really well and does the translation. And then other people take his Chinese translation of Shakespeare and do various renditions of it. Uh-huh. So for them, at, at at that time, Shakespeare is really no longer Shakespeare as as the English speaking world know him. For that, once it goes through so many layers of of, of, of Chinese interpretation and translation. And translation and retranslation, it actually becomes more of a Chinese figure because the whole the whole Englishness of them is actually gets lost. This right. is not unique to you know. I, I, I'm, a, I'm you know as an expert translator. This is it, a situation that is valid to every aspect of translation of of uh, creative works all through history. It's not unique mm-hmm. to Rumi nor to Shakespeare. It's just the nature of translation. Yeah, so I you know what what sets me apart is the fact that I I was born in the same province as 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 Rumi. I am a mystic myself. I have a very deep personal and spiritual connection with him, and uh, have a and a very unique grasp of what Rumi's life was about, what he means in his in his uh, phraseology, and because I you know practically grew up in in the states um, that you know. Grants me a way to be able to communicate all that into English.
1: It's wonderful, and I listened um, today to your love evolve, the uh, the original songs and Rumi inspirations. It was really beautiful, and uh, this is a CD that you have, and and I really have enjoyed it. So, why don't you explain what a performance poet is?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I am. Uh, I you know. Th- th- I have coined various phrases, and one of the phrases that I've coined is performance poet, and the other one is yoga generation, and the other one is the, 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 the prophet is you, and so forth. Hopefully, we can talk about a couple of those. But um, a performance poet is somebody like myself, where I don't just write poetry um, or translate them or write my own to be published. I perform them with with. With a band, with a musical group On stage So it's um, That's my definition of it It's You know, I don't sing And I don't exactly recite It's this place in between That I have kind of Developed over So many years of Doing these performances
1: When I was listening, I was Having a sensory feeling Not just, you know, listening with my ears I had kind of a spiritual sensation at the same time, which um, I would—I think that's what you wanted to um, impart to the, your listeners.
2: That's exactly what I want to convey. That's high praise. I very much appreciate you saying that. It's the biggest reward for my... For ...somebody, myself, Mari, who connects with my work, because, you know, I have always tried to be original and everything that i do is very unique and it doesn't work for it is not meant to be for everybody it's meant to connect with people who are ready to hear it and when they do the connection is there so i very much Beyond you can imagine. I very much appreciate what. what oh, you good. Well,
1: I am glad. So, what else? You know, when people, will, when you know, we talk about being a performance poet and and an author and a musician. Um, why do you think Rumi's poems are are still so popular?
2: Oh, so many reasons. Well, first first and foremost is that Rumi was so prolific. You know, for. Over a course of about 25 years, he composed, recited about um, seven 8,000 poems. Wow. So it's, I know, it's massive. And of this 7,000, 8,000, because he had so much time, you know, he had literally 25 years, as I mentioned, and he could delve into any imaginable topic. So he wasn't limited only to philosophical. Only to spiritual, mystical. Nor were they limited to love poems. Who is wh- is most known for his love poems, of course. Yes. And uh, he has he has tales and stories. He has jokes and funny funny poems. He has poems that we would today would consider them to be erotic uh, and so forth. So it's like this long list of topics, that he basically he covered anything he wanted. It's almost like the Bible, where you can come up with any quote and it will stick. It's very similar to Rumi, because he was so prolific, and the range of topics and moods that he covered was so vast that he has, uh, you know, uh, professors and scholars who are his fans. He has high-caliber composers who are his fans. He's got people from variety type, types of uh, religious backgrounds, whether they're Buddhist or Hindu or what have you and Jewish myself, for example, Christian uh, and of course, who are his, who are his, his fans, but also just you know ordinary people who just connect with an aspect of it, whether it's just a love form and it just makes them you know wish <laughs> they had a, they were involved in a more passionate you know connection with. with with somebody and so forth. So that's the magic of Lumi is he has so many uh, different types of moods. But the other thing is that he was so ahead of his time and he has a universal... He is a universal soul. And universal souls tend to break out of their confines of their hometown, their home country, their religion, their language that, that they speak. Shakespeare is a universal soul. Beethoven, Mozart, these are universal spirits you know the, the strauss marches that everybody knows by heart in everywhere because they're so beautiful and simple if these are various types of universality the beatles you can just go on and on they right. transcend every barrier possible and rumi is certainly one of those one of those figures
1: right so what is rumi riddle and what do you think the answer is Right,
2: so Rumi has a riddle. He actually mentions it a few times, it's not just in one poem. And he says that from the moment you are born, escape hatch is placed right in front of you so you can escape. Hmm. So this has puzzled many people. I have never actually read anyone's answer to this. And uh, a, a few years ago on my, my, on my Facebook page, I ran a query to see what people's thoughts were. And uh, do, you, do you have a thought on this? No. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: the escape hatch, is that what you said?
2: Yeah, meaning from the, from the moment you are born... You can be free. There is something escape hatch, meaning mm-hmm. there is a doorway. There is a doorway that you can open
1: mm-hmm.
2: that that it will set you free.
1: Hmm. So anyway, yeah, that, I've been searching for. The, I've been, correct, been searching for that. <laughs> I've been searching for that escape hatch to my to my true God self.
0: <laughs>
1: i i think what he means i don't think he means death i think what he means is that the escape hatch from 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 the not necessarily the ego but i know because you don't think the ego is bad and i don't think the ego bad but maybe to that higher consciousness to that to that oneness with god does that what it, is yes, that what it means yes
2: yes of course but Yes, he's saying this is right. It's always been next to you. It's always been available to you. This this doorway, this escape hatch, this this um, hatch that you open and you can go. But but yes. So we this, have to get yeah, out your, of our. So your interpretation of it is actually very good.
1: And as that means, I needs to I need to get out of my own way to get to that well, yeah, oneness well, to to sure. to remember I mean, my my oneness with Spirit. Maybe, huh?
2: Yeah, well, it, it is the, the answer, which eludes most of the planet, as we talked about early on in our conversation. And it, and it refers to the whole good and bad thing that you were initially talking about, because not many people are capable of it, to, to rise above it, you know. Uh, the answer is an open mind.
1: Mm. An open mind and an open heart. Because the mind, from, from my perspective... My mind can really limit me, but my heart being open doesn't limit me. Well, that's just Right.
2: My th- yeah, but it really, it's, it's, the mind, um, uh, everything Makes judgments. that you are yeah. is, a pro- is a projection of your mind. The mind is right. the most powerful element, the most powerful aspect of spiritual growth, and that's part of my teaching, and it sets it apart from how... We've been, Mari, we've been in a loop for 60 years in the U.S. since the 50s and 60s when yoga and the teachings of yoga came to the U.S., where we have not evolved beyond what I call spirituality 101. (laughs) And it's time for us to do that. Religion has been in a loop for a few thousand years, but spirituality in the U.S. has been in a loop for about 50 years.
1: Mm.
2: And this loop is that we got stuck in agenda-based spirituality where everything is half-truth and disinformation. Meaning that tra- traditionally, because yoga and the teachings of spirituality came out of these ashrams by these gurus who were very much at an agenda, they would, you know, de-emphasize the mind, mm-hmm. you know. They would de-emphasize the ego. They would de-emphasize... Um, relying on yourself. In fact, one of the common things in ashrams and all that spiritual effects is to surrender and to give in to the master. Mm. So anything that would empower you and make you into an empowered entity is taken away from spirituality by design, because it's been brought over by these guru types. Many of them obviously prove to be, you know, and they they. they all routinely, they they fall from grace, whereas real spirituality is about turning yourself from an enslaved self to an empowered self.
1: And, and you, this cannot yeah.
2: happen if you don't have an empowered mind. Right. The mind is the single most important element because a mind will bring the heart with it but the heart cannot bring the mind with it there's nothing more powerful than the mind to push you forward on your quest for elevation for ascension
1: yeah and you you had in on your website that uh your mentor rumi declared that god is not found at any place of worship but only in your heart. You know, and I, for many, many years, I was a transcendental meditator and then I kind of got away not doing it you know, as as a routine or habitually like I used to, but my New Year's resolution for this year, 2015 is to meditate every morning. And Uh, I do. I have been. I've been getting up at 5.30 and I meditate for 25 minutes and I uh, I've been doing this again because I know how much it meant to me for so many years, and then I kind of got away from it because of my busy life, which is crazy. Um, But what I have to do is I have to get out of my monkey mind and get into the depth of my soul where I'm just you know, in that silence and connecting with that that higher power to be that more empowered person that you're talking about. I don't have to look outside of myself to see where God is.
2: Yes. Well, listen. You are Marie. You are an evolved soul. I mean, in in, in the nature of this. (laughs) No, you are. The nature of this conversation is not ordinary, (laughs) and uh, and it 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 is an indication of your of your own personal achievement. You've you you come across as somebody who has continually or continuously worked on herself. that's that's very obvious. So. um, So that's why I'm interviewing you.
1: That's why I'm so thrilled to interview you because uh you you know you can help guide me in the right direction. But we are out of time. I just want to mention again that this uh you're going to be at the In Spirit Center on January twenty fifth in Mission Viejo um at 25782 Obrero Drive. And this this is gonna be wonderful. I can't wait to meet you in person wonderful wonderful he's a poet he's an artist he's a musician he's uh, a renaissance man and he's the author also of rumi thief of sleep so just give your website and it's time to go sharam
2: they can uh, find me on my com, which is sharam shiva.com s-h-a-h-r-a-m-s-h-i-v as in victor a if that's too hard just simply go to roomy.net it's a site that I have about Rumi for a long time uh, almost 15 plus years roomy.net that will be easier for your radio listeners to
1: yes and if you're you type it in. If you're listening in Orange County, come and join me, and let's go talk with Sharam and and hear what he has to say. Thank you so much, and I look forward to meeting you. Same here,
2: Mari. Thank you very much. I appreciate
1: it. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, the host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI, and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks.
2: It's about trust. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI,
2: its management, or the UC Board of Regents.